Welcome to No Challenges Remaining from day four of the Australian Open. It has been a busy day. Courtney couldn't be here, but she sends a message to say that she told you so on Redvonska losing to Lucic Veroni. Uh, but we'll get to the main, the more headline-generating news of the day with our guest, uh, Sasha Osmo, who is a journalist for Sport Club Serbia. Nailed that. <laughs> That's uh, right. Yes, thank you, Sasha, for being here. Uh, I guess you probably didn't expect this to be a busy day for you before... To those of you who might have missed it, Novak Djokovic lost to wildcard Dennis Istomin in five sets. Yeah, two quick WTA matches, and I was expecting to be back home yeah. around seven, but I guess it turned out differently. Not just me, I think not one soul in Melbourne expected this outcome. I mean, how could you? What, what you saw the whole match, obviously. What do you think caused this? What do you, what do you think went, if you can put it, you know, if there's a basic way to sum it up, what went wrong for Novak today? Actually, uh, I think there is a whole lot of factors. One of it is surely Istomin playing the match of his life, I think. I've never seen him... uh, I mean, his backhand is usually more reliable than his forehand, but today he's had some terrific clutch shots with his forehand, although he did make a crucial break in the fifth with that backhand down the line. Also, I was thrilled with his uh, slice serve from the due side, and I was impressed with the way Novak with the way he kept Novak guessing. Novak is usually able to read an opponent's serve all the time. If not all the time, then he gets a groove yeah. as it gets going. Now he wasn't he wasn't sure absolutely in any moment. So I guess uh, we have to give a lot of credit to Istamin. But of course, I think Novak is missing a bit intensity. I don't know. I couldn't tell you now why is that. Uh, in the big part of the match, his footwork was off, which you yeah, can see. Yeah, it's rare by, for him. It's really rare, and uh, you can tell his footwork is off when there is a lot of mistakes on that second shot behind the serve. Yeah. He put a lot of backhands in the net in that way, and that's not something. Uh, his timing is usually perfect, and that is something he skills on, and is something that made him such a terrific player, among other things, of course. And I think in the fourth set, uh, his returning was, again, a bit off. And uh, the thing about Novak and what makes him such an incredible player is his just high basic level of play and that you could count always on. Yeah. And I think in the last few months, there's been a whole lot more ups and downs than we're used to. And I mean, uh, let's be honest, uh, when he won the third set, I guess everyone thought he's going to race. Be safe. Yeah, race sure. through the fourth. Yeah. He had a break point in the first game. Everyone thought the break and over, but obviously not anymore. And I guess that's something he was going to have to deal with. I asked him in the presser, in the Serbian presser. You didn't get to to hear that. Would this? Would he call this period of his career a crisis? He said that he did not want to think of it that way, and that he doesn't like to think that way in general. So. He didn't want to go in-depth analysis on anything, which is understandable since it was half an hour after the match. But I think he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and to sort out what what he needs to do to get better, to get uh, back where he was just six months ago. Yeah. So it's 
in here put a couple clips from the pressers of Istamin first and then uh, Novak. Uh, it is unreal, so to beat Novak in five sets, it's a great win, you know, and uh, I'm still like, feel tired a little bit and uh, I didn't expect what I'm, I'm doing now. So, and what I did on the court, so I like uh, the way I'm playing and uh, I mean, I feel just tired and I don't think about the that I win the, against number two in the world. All the, all the credits to, to Dennis for playing, playing amazing and he deserved to win, uh, no doubt he, he was a Better player in the clutch moments, he stepped it up and uh, played aggressive, served very well, very precise. And there's not much I could do. Uh, of course, I, I was not pleased with my performance overall, but uh, you know, I have to congratulate my, my opponent today. No, but if you have to say it's more physical or more mental, even if it's always a mixture between the two, which which side would you choose? No, I, I don't think it was physical. I mean, we both looked okay, you know, after four and a half hours, uh, we didn't seem to be tired. Of course, I mean, four and a half hours is not, uh, uh, it's not easy but uh, on the body, but still I don't think that that has affected neither me or my opponent, you know, it was just... It was just uh, in in the game of tennis, you know, one guy beats the other guy. That's that's all I can say. There's more mental at the end. You Is make your conclusions. <laughs> so what do you take from that match then? What do you learn from it, I guess? Take my bags and I go home. <laughs> so Sasha, I guess you mentioned the, the crisis, you know, calling it that. It's been an incredible, uh, you know, eight months for him because he won the French Open. He was completely on top of the world. He had won all four Grand Slams at once, and he seemed completely invincible. And everyone was talking very confidently about, you know, not, you know, first of all, calendar Grand Slam, winning all four in one year, which obviously Serena before showed is difficult. Uh, and then uh, also his, uh, uh, you know, maybe getting to 17 of Rogers and everything just going, everything seeming really automatic and people thinking big. And there was every right to think big because no one was touching him, more or less. Andy was playing better this start last year, but he, no one was close. And then something, Actually, something, you disagree with that? Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, I just yeah. don't want to lose my yeah. thought. Actually, in the Serbian presser, we asked him about uh, that kind of stuff, the numbers yeah. and the records, and yeah. he, said, uh, he said a really interesting thing. He said, uh, he said that the records are not on his mind anymore. That is the less and less he doesn't... Uh, he used an interesting expression. He, he said, I don't want to be a captive of, some, of someone else's expectations and mm. speculations and stuff like that i'm master of my own destiny though that's the phrase he he used in serbian of course yeah so i guess he's trying to put a bit weight off himself in a way so but problem not just with novak but i think with all the great players is that they set the bar so high i think 2011 and this span from the beginning of 2015 up until Paris 2016 that's something only maybe two or three players in the history of the game achieved and yeah. when that is the criteria anything you do below because that was yeah. because it, it, people talked about it being a crisis and it felt really bad i mean the query loss was a shock at Wimbledon for sure but overall mostly the rest of his results weren't that terrible i mean he made the he won Toronto 
or Canada, I think it was in Toronto. He won, uh, he made the, he lost early at the Olympics, but it was at Del Potro. Del Potro was a great player. He made the U.S. Open final. He made semis of Shanghai. He made the, he, he I forget what he did in, 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 in London. Yeah, finals. Yeah, so I mean, so that's, those are great, those would be the best half of the year for almost everybody on tour, but for Novak it seems like a disaster, and rightly so, and I guess that can affect you. This this result. Yes, but I think paper, the yeah. problem is it, it's not just for us yeah. that I think he thinks of it that way as well. Yeah, no, he does. Be- because the only thing that satisfies him in every tournament is a title. So, so what, I guess what do you think caused this? What, what, uh, what caused the train to go off the tracks? So the train was very much moving along slowly, slowly falling off, and now I think losing to a wild card second round of a tournament you won six times seems like a pretty big crash. Actually, actually, I'm not so sure. If, if it has something to do with, uh, with the stuff he's been saying uh, two or three times now, that uh, number one and Grand Slams are not his priority. What is his priority then, though? I, I think that he's trying to achieve that through some other means for enjoying the tennis to I think it's just a way of uh, of not putting too, too much pressure on himself and to be completely honest this comes as a real shock for me I I would be less shocked if he lost I don't know to Ferdasco if Nando played some crazy match or yeah, sure. whatnot but but losing to Istomin who I don't know started last year with seven defeats in a row he's outside top 100 this yeah. is the first time he's lost ever to a player outside top 100 in a slam. Yeah. So I I am still shocked and I think he really needs to it will be a good thing if this shakes him up, if it makes him work even harder and want it even more because I think it's not easy for someone who's won that much. Obviously when you're such a big champion, you have a you have great expectations from yourself and you have a a big ego, yeah. which is understandable and you can't uh, yeah. And uh, this must feel this must feel bad if losing to Vavrinka in U.S. Open does feel bad, but it's acceptable. Losing to a guy that's one seventeenth on ATP list, I guess it, it has to hurt more. And it should uh, hurt. Yeah. Uh, if I it doesn't w- hurt, it's a problem. I yeah. yes, absolutely. I look for him to bounce back. I I don't know what else to say. If he if he doesn't, it's gonna be really open road for Andy in the next couple of months. Yeah, no, Andy certainly has a benefit. I mean, Andy took over number one, and now if he does anything here, he'll have a pretty big lead in the number one ranking because Novak obviously had 2,000 points here last year. Uh, so so Andy only had to play Novak once in the second half at the, at the final match in London, but has been able to take over number one without much fight directly from Novak. So I, I'd probably ask a couple, about a couple of things just to get the sort of Serbian perspective on a couple ideas with Djokovic. The first is about uh, Pepe Imaz, the, the guru guy, who, who, which, which got a lot of headlines in the fall about, and sort of uh, people making jokes about it, you know, this guy, and the, the strange video of the meditation, things like that. People thought it was strange, the yeah. way he's talking and things like that, and bringing, bringing him to Beharis Bercy with but not a coach, it seemed like. So I, 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 guess in Serb- I guess if you can say in Serbia what the perception of that is, and also, secondly, what your personal the thoughts thing on is, it are. The thing, the thing is, I, uh, if Novak was winning, like he was in the first half of the year, no, yeah. one, no one would be talking about Pepe Imaz. And actually, it is true that it wasn't his first time there. He was in Paris and London in 2014, okay. I think, 2015 as well. He wasn't just as, I don't know what is the right expression, advertised, yeah. maybe. But I don't think he has a lot to do with it. Actually, Novak has been on uh, that, if you want to call it a path, 
with doing yoga, doing meditations, sure. going to uh, meditate at Wimbledon. I remember him talking about. Yeah. 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 He, he used to work. Uh, he used to work with Doctor Igor Chetovich. He's the one who diagnosed his uh, gluten problem, and he's the guy that that does a lot of meditations and has this alternative perspective of you. He's a uh, he finished medical school, but he's also broadened his perspective with some Chinese medicine, medicine okay. uh, and all the other stuff. And I think uh, the whole uh, now what we're seeing from Novak, the approach he has to his life and in general is started back then in 2011. And it, it just kind of evolved from there. And uh, I guess I, I think that makes sense. I think that, again, some of the I think just the timing of it was strange. I think and that maybe that's just media. You know, if he had been there before, the video of him doing the, the talk with, with Marco was not a new video, but it just sort of got rediscovered. Yeah. And it was obviously just sort of that's a, what I'm a, talking yeah. about. And so I, I, I understand that. But I think that seeing him front row with no coach and then, OK, the next question, which was I wasn't thinking about before, but getting rid of Becker is obviously the next sort of news item that people have. And it looks this result makes that look bad. But at the same time, he did win Doha over Murray uh, this year, and he's did great before Becker. I don't think, I, I don't, I don't, I'm still not sure how much credit Becker deserves for the success he had during no. Novak's time. I don't know. Together. Uh, so I, I guess just what do you, what was the, what's your thought on that, on that breakup and where he goes in terms of just who, who the voices he's hearing is. And that's what more and more the concern with Hippie Imaz was. It's just, he doesn't seem to have, have a coach, Becker, wasn't around as much, and this guy who obviously doesn't have any tennis credentials is there, and it just sort of confuses people, I think, maybe more than anything. As for Becker, I think the results are everything that counts, and he's won like six slams with him, so you yeah. you have got to give him some credit. I mean, at the top of the game, is just, as you already know, is just one or two percent, you know, and, yeah. and Novak emphasized a lot of times, every time he gets a question about Boris, he says he, says he, he gave me that... T- Two or three percent mentally because he was in the same situations and I don't want to repeat that all over again but I think it was true as for the Serbian perspective when he came to the team there was all because there was a lot of negative uh, there was a lot of negative stuff said about him because he had a reputation yeah, of exactly. uh, guy and uh, a really bad reputation let's say and yeah. and personally I doubted the choice, not because of his reputation, but because I listened to him on BBC, and he wasn't really very insightful. That's, what I, that's, what, that's where most people got their idea that he wouldn't be a good coach, just from hearing him on BBC, yeah. But I guess the, it's, uh, it's a whole different story, obviously, and maybe a bit of a language barrier, or I don't know, yeah. but he wasn't really very insightful. When you listen to Jay Mack and uh, yeah. all the others, you really get some stuff you wouldn't notice in the Boris. It was a bit different. I'm not trying to say. No, I, you, you're, I think everyone agrees with you pretty much. Uh, yeah. Just uh, it was just my impression. But uh, as time went by, uh, I I think they clicked. You know, they say the opposites attract. So they're I think they're opposites with their approach to life and uh, in their characters. But they have two or three yeah. similarities that proved crucial to their cooperation. And now that they finished the cooperation every everyone in serbia was like why boris is great why why did <laughs> yeah. they leave him because he, he was winning and you know it, i mean and he still it was only a few months removed from him winning all four grand slams and being the first guy in decades to win all four at and, once and, and, actually yeah. i don't know what is your opinion but uh, i think that did not get enough recognition in the media yeah. you know just him 
uh, and the day after Paris, I was reading reading the headlines, and the headlines were he won, he finally won Paris, not he he yeah. had four in a row. I mean, yeah, that's I th something no one has ever achieved since Rod Laver, the I, only guy in the Open I year. Think, I hope we were certainly at least at least on the show. I didn't I didn't write about I wasn't writing much about the, the story about the final, but I hope that that got. Sure. I mean, I think because it was incredible, and maybe. Maybe it got less recognition also because Serena had done it very recently too. Serena did it just in 2015. So maybe that made it seem less amazing in the men's perspective of it having taken a lot longer there. But you're, I, I think looking back, at it, it was amazing. Definitely, I don't know about in May, but it was definitely amazing by the end of the year how forgotten it had become in the narrative of Djokovic collapsing. And I remember Andy Murray was, was very nice in the speech in London and went out of his way to congratulate Novak for achieving the four in a row. Uh, and it was just sort of like, oh, yeah, he did do that. I <laughs> haven't heard that mentioned. Well, yeah, that was only this year. Wow, okay, yeah, that's, that's surprising. So, so yeah, so I think, I, think he, I think history books will reflect well on that. I, well, that goes to another question then. Um, again, Serbian uh, idea of this and then your own ideas. There's this idea that Novak isn't appreciated enough in general. Uh, either, either, first of all, not loved by fans and doesn't get the same sort of passion that Roger certainly gets and that Rafa gets also. Um, and... So that, that way, just the sort of affection he gets from the crowd, but then also that his accomplishments are overlooked. I guess, is that something, I get the sense on Twitter for sure, that it can be something that Serbian fans in particular are sensitive about and, and, ang and you know, angry about at times. And uh, do you think it affects, I guess, again, Serbian perspective? And how much, how, in yours, and I guess how much do you think that bo still bothers Novak? Because Novak seems to really, Vanessa really seems to want to be more popular. As, as for this, I have to say that I completely agree with the general Serbian perspective, and I think uh, he does not, this, just the thing I mentioned a few minutes ago, he does not get enough recognition when he does something wrong, it's usually under a heavier light. I mean, I can remember, let's just have a few examples for US Open 2011 semifinals. Yeah, he hit the shot against Federer. When he hit the shot. Yeah. And the uh, quotes uh, from Federer after that match, if Novak had said that same thing, it would be brought up over and over and over again. And I don't think... Uh, if, imagine if Novak said, oh, Roger just slapped the ball, it was pure luck. I don't know these guys, uh, how they teach them. I wasn't taught to play like that. But I think that's, I think that's less about Novak and more about Roger getting a free pass for everything. I mean, Roger against Noah Rubin started cursing in the middle of the third. So when he went down 3-0 and started swearing, dropping F-bombs and stuff. And Roger, people just sort of like, oh, it's so silly when he's, you know. It seems, yeah, but, but it seems, you could see, you could but, see. But you're right, but, but in Novak. There, there's yeah. a more recent example uh, of uh, this thing Novak does, and uh, it's absolutely wrong. He hits the ball after, and maybe it hits someone, or it doesn't Doha, hit. Yeah. yeah, in Doha, and it was it was in Paris. And he threw the racket and almost yeah, hit the but, line. But then you Paris, see, yeah. and it's it's somehow circulating all over the media, all over Twitter, and then somehow it appears when Andy, I got nothing against Andy, and he's, I think he's a terrific guy, and uh, with Rafa, no, like I think he's the most, the guy with the with the biggest heart of them all, let's, sure. put, it, let's put it that way. But... There is a video of him kicking the ball and it kicks the chair empire. And, oh, in Cincinnati. And yeah. I, I think no one has ever heard of that. If you talk to an average tennis fan, he's never heard of it. But he's heard of Novak almost hitting the spectator and whatnot. So I think that's where the why. Why, why do you think? Okay, I, I more or less agree that there's a more neg the, the the press can be more or 
negative stories attached to him in a way they don't attach to other people, maybe? I guess why, do you have an idea why do people, what, why, why is there a difference? I, I couldn't tell really because I guess, I guess Serbia is a small country. Okay. And it, uh, it, before, I think not a lot of people in tennis world even knew where it was not before sure. Djokovic and Ana Ivanovic and Janko and Jelena and everyone. So I think that has a, that has a bit of influence and I really wouldn't know any other answer because Novak has always been, I don't know, maybe I'm not, uh, I don't think I'm biased really, but when I see him, every time he loses, he's always super friendly to the other he's guy. Very, yeah, he's a very he's gracious all, loser. Yeah, I agree. I mean, compare it to, there's a, there's a video I'm guessing you've seen of 2011 of Novak, Ra- of Novak beating Rafa over and over again that year. And Rafa, and Rafa is Rafa, also a super fair guy. Yeah, he is, but he all, by, by the end of the year, he yeah, started yeah. getting much shorter handshakes yeah, and yes, things like yes, that. Yes, he gets more and more annoyed. And so, uh, and Novak, Novak has always been, I mean, he was great with Istman today. He was, you know, pretty gracious and pressed. He made it clear he was disappointed in himself and was angry and made some sort of sarcastic jokes and things like that, but he, you know, didn't say anything bad about Istman at all. Not that, not that the other, I mean, all four top guys are usually pretty good about that, with maybe the exception of Roger. Sometimes can say things that are a little bit bitchy, uh, yes, for sure, I, for I sure. Uh, but, but, he but, it, but he still wins every sportsmanship award, so who knows. But, How's but, that, by the way? I, I don't, I mean, he didn't even play last year. Anyone that sort of, I, I mean, I think that, I think the sportsmanship award is meaningless for how much, it is. it's just a Roger Federer popularity contest. And he's popular for good reasons. I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but that award, I mean, I really, I personally was Openly on the Smichek bandwagon when Smichek did the thing with Nadal, and he got uh, yeah, a couple I know. years ago, I, I remember and he got nominated for. It. I was like, if you give it to Smichek and not Federer, it will actually mean something this year. <laughs> I, don't but I don't even know if Smichek <laughs> came close in the votes. Uh, but yeah, so all that. And that yeah. Let me just say one more thing. The yeah. the thing there is often uh, often people say Novak tries too hard, but I yes. think if uh, someone else behaved in that way, it wouldn't be. Constituated as that, it would be oh, just he's so nice and I, he's being friendly. I, I will say, I mean, I think on that, it's, it's it's a tough criticism because you don't want people to not try to have people like. I mean, if you don't care what anyone thinks about you, you're a sociopath. You know, you should want, you should you should care what people think on some level. I just think for sometimes with him, it comes off as being a bit forced and not natural. The thing that the thing he does now with the taking his hands out from his chest and doing that, I think that I, looks I kind of stupid. I must admit that I don't like that. No, too. I think it just looks kind of I dumb. love Novak, but I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I think those are the kind of things where people just think that it just rings the wrong way. And people, again, it's, it's, a, it's a not a fair criticism. People don't respond a lot of times to someone really clearly trying to do things just to get people to like them. It doesn't, it, you know, he's can't, he has a lot of natural charisma and he's very good with fans, especially when I see him like Indian Wells, where it's a very open tournament and or less open than it used to be, but we get a lot of kids running up and stuff. He's great. I mean, in every autograph, I've never had, I've never really seen him have a bad interaction with a fan where most top players have seen at least one or two Yes, sort of awkward moment. So, so he gets credit for that. I just think sometimes. And even after he, he lost to, in Paris to Wawrinka, he went off to the ball boys to you know say hi and I don't yeah. know, take a photo. I think that's something that should be maybe a bit more emphasized. Th- that sure. kind of things. Well, well, hopefully people can hear this show then. I guess uh, <laughs> last thing, what do you think? If, you know, from a perspective of crisis or goals or whatever, what comes next for Novak? I mean, th- how does this loss? Uh, and change your expectations for the. Does it change? Does it change your expectations for this year, in the short term? You know, coming up in March. I don't know if he's scheduled for anywhere before Indian Wells. Um, I think this is a, this is but, quite a shock, and I think no one, himself included, did not expect this. Yeah. So there wasn't even in the back of his mind that he 
that he would have to come up with a plan for something like this. So I really don't know what's next. What I sorry, uh, what I do know is that he has to sort out what he's going to do next to sort out his priorities. And if he, he if he really wants it that badly as he did last few years, I think he is able and he still has what it takes to be number one again and to win Grand Slam titles again. I mean, he's not. We've seen. Uh, the age, the age boundary sure. going Go higher and higher. Although so. I mean, but he is turning thirty in, in in May, so he's not getting younger. You know, I don't know how many Grand Slams Federer. I think Federer just won one Grand Slam after thirty, so it's it's not it's it's uh, it's still a, it's still a factor. I mean, I think I think I think maybe we're seeing in this last eight months sort of him, his peak. Absolute peak is he, behind yeah, him. Yeah, he won't. Behind he him. won't. I, I don't he think. Won't dominate. Yeah, I like don't think he again. won't dominate uh, in the way he did in those two periods we mentioned. But and almost no one ever did that before. Th- yeah. Know, so, so, but he he has what it takes to be a contender. It, it does not have to be three slams a year. It can be one. No, <laughs> I mean that, one, one that's works. still fine. Yeah, one works. One is funny. Thank you very much, Sasha. You're this welcome. This is great. Good to get some Serbian perspective <laughs> on on this uh, tough day for Serbia. But Jankovic is still in. And Trajski. Yeah, there you yeah, he's go. Playing stand tomorrow. Imagine if Yelena Jankovic is the last Serbian remaining at this Grand Slam. That, that would be. Huge. If I had told you that, I love her. She's great. Spe- she's amazing. Especially, but if I told you that, especially I guess before uh, Ivanovic retired, at the 2017 Australian <laughs> Open, that Jankovic would be the last one remaining. Oy. And it actually looks pretty realistic now. Yeah. Because she has a better shot at Kuznetsova than I guess Victor. And Stan, I agree. I agree with that. So, here's to Yelena. And we'll see you guys on the show later with more from the Australian Open. Bye, guys. You want to say bye in Serbian or English? You, you want to say bye in a cultural way or just... <laughs> whatever you prefer. You're, you're, I can't claim anything on Serbia. So Ciao, ljudi, sve najbolje. I just said bye, guys. All the best. All the best. <laughs> you.